Hi, I'm Sherry Ring. I'm the lead coach for Hospo Health, which is a health and wellbeing program developed specifically for the Tasmanian hospitality industry. Hospo Health includes weekly videos, a range of helpful fact sheets to download, and this podcast series. All of these can be accessed online at hospohealth.com.au. We're also delivering face-to-face workshops around Tasmania focusing on team building activities. If you work in the hospitality industry, then Hospo Health is for you and about you. Hi, I'm Sherry and I'm the head coach for the Hospo Health Program. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Larissa Bartlett, who is a mindfulness teacher and researcher. And I'm joined by Fiona Ellis, who is in human resources with the Federal Group. Hi, guys. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for having us. Good morning. I might just start with you, Larissa, just if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your research. Mm, sure, I'm happy to do that in a in a quick grab <laughs> as much as possible. Uh, so I did a, um, a PhD in mindfulness uh, training that's delivered in a workplace setting. So I was very interested to find out whether there were health and stress and performance benefits uh, um, associated with doing a mindfulness course in workplaces. And um, my research showed that there is quite clear benefits. I'm really excited. I'm certainly a small contributor to a very large body of research that's come out in the last sort of six to eight years that is very strongly supporting mindfulness as an intervention that uh, should be considered by workplaces. In fact, the World Health Organisation has recently endorsed it as one of those programs that is effective for, for workplace mental health and wellbeing. I also work with, so I do, do work at the University of Tasmania. I'm a postdoctoral research fellow there and I have a consulting practice where I do consulting into organisations with regards to their workplace mental health and uh, deliver, I teach the mindfulness-based stress reduction program and uh, do mindfulness coaching. Yeah, I keep myself very busy and thoroughly in love what I do. And you've shared some of that with the Hospital Health. I have, Absolutely. Fiona, um, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself and about Federal Group? Yeah, sure. So I work in human resources at Federal Group. Uh, We have about 2,500 employees around Australia, but um, the bulk of our employees are here in Tasmania. We've been lucky enough to be part of the Hospital Health Program, which we're very excited about. And we have uh, a group of what we call champions around our business. We have 27 champions that are really promoting and driving this program for all of our staff. Yeah, I love that. Fiona, I know that health and wellbeing is really important for you. And I know how excited you've been about, you know, implementing this program at Federal. Could you just tell us a little bit more about the champions and their roles? Yeah, sure. We decided when we first came on board with this program that usually this type of thing would probably sit with human resources to really drive. Um, But what we thought was that, you know, we have so many fantastic people in our frontline positions that would really be able to influence and encourage their peers to be part of this program. So rather than HR you know, sending out emails and printing out documents and things like that. I think if it's the person that you're spending your, you know, your eight-hour shift with, standing side by side, and, you know, they can just be having those kind of incidental conversations about what they're doing in health and wellbeing, what better way to really promote that? Um, We're also using our leadership team as well to really drive the program, which we've really just started um, 
by doing the surveys and seeing where what our sort of current state is at the moment. So we're really trying to work with a, you know, yes, there's that sort of top-down approach with a leadership team driving it. Um, but also I think what's most important in my mind is having it, you know, really coming from the people that are on the ground um, and the people that are there to serve our customers. And so moving into the mindfulness discussion, have you guys participated in the mindfulness videos? Yes, we've, we only just launched our program in February. So we're quite new to the program at this point in time, but we have been sharing some of the, so for example, we have started the Habits podcast and the videos on that. So we've been sharing that via um, a communication that goes out to all of the staff. And we've also attended one of your team-based activities, which was around healthy eating. And so we had one of our IT employees, who's uh, one of our champions and really passionate about the program. He's written a fantastic article about how much fun he had and how much he learnt from the program. So I think where we can, we've got like a really diverse group of people that are really sharing the messages. Yeah. So Larissa... In terms of mindfulness, I guess people, when they think of mindfulness, they think of, you know, yogi or they think about you, you know, pure meditation. But I know that there's so much more to it. Could you just sort of explain to us how workplaces can implement mindfulness into everything they're doing? Ah, (laughs) there's so many ways. I guess mindfulness, when we think about, so mindfulness means paying attention intentionally to current experiences with an open-hearted kind of attitude of curiosity. So we're very aware of what's going on right now. And there's a series of practices, some of which we've run through with the little videos that we've that are out now with Hospo Health, that we can do in just a few minutes to reset and kind of re-engage, be here now, do this and kind of, I guess, remember to be in the moment and allow the worries of the past or the worries of the future to move into the background so that we're here talking to our staff or to our customers or to the chef in the kitchen, whatever it is we're we're working on, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. So I guess there are a number of different ways of engaging with mindfulness training, I guess, in in organisations. One of them is doing like a full-on course and courses take time and resources and also have people, particularly people who work in frontline jobs, don't really have the ability to step away from their role and come and do a course unless the employer is able able to pay for that to happen. Um, And so in this context, in the hospitality industry, there's a lot of people in frontline, right? (laughs) So thinking about how to embed more mindfulness in the workday these little snippets are really helpful. So learning how to be able to sort of just come back to the moment by tuning into the senses or getting a sense of, oh, okay, so I actually feel really anxious about this. This customer is coming in and they've got a complaint and I'm feeling kind of anxious about dealing with them. What do I need to do to prepare myself to be able to respond in a way that I want to, will be able to look back on and be proud of? being able to kind of sit down and right, do the mountain practice, kind of settle in and, and remember that this is, I'm here right now, weather's always changing, I'm pretty solid, I know what I need to say, okay, right, I can have this conversation. And so in when we're talking about embedding that kind of thing in organisations, I love what you said before, Fiona, about the champions and, and having your leaders engaged with the, the content of these little modules that HOSPO's rolling out because it's really through peer 
engagement and example and demonstration where you see somebody actually going through the process of going, oh, I actually feel really out, you know, out there right now. I need to come back in and settle. And then you see the benefits of them having done that and you go, oh, how'd you do that? Oh, yeah, no, there's this really useful little module through Hospo Health. I can go mm. and watch that and it's really helpful. I'm really happy to talk to you about it and I'd love to share the experience. So having your peers also engaged with the practices is really the best way of, of promulgating it through the organisation, getting it to a point where it is available for people across the organisation to engage with is, is often a challenge. And I, I think that the HOSPO model is really good, having these little bite-sized things that people can yeah. do. Yeah. So people realise that it, they don't have to do a, a big long hour of meditation. It could be just, you know, a moment yeah, um, mindfulness meditation is a little bit like doing your practice when you're learning to play a violin. So mm. you, you could pick up a violin and you can make a noise with it and, and it will make some tune. But if you practice and put some dedicated half an hour time in every day for a little while, then you're going to, when you pick up the violin the next time, you're going to be better able to do it. And so the meditation practice has a place because it makes access to those skills to be able to drop into the moment much more available to you. Mm. But not it doesn't meditation doesn't appeal to everyone. It's not something that everybody's inclined to do. You know, there's some people that love it, and some people just go, "I could not even imagine anything worse." And so, completely fine. You don't actually have to be a full-on yogi, as you say, in order to practice mindfulness. We can practice being mindful in the moment if we are given some tips about how to do that and have an experience of the benefit of of having done it. And also building those habits, which is why we started the program with habits. So it might be you start with five minutes, you know, and build really slowly until you can actually get to that 30 minutes and and sustain that for a while. Fiona, you and I have have talked before about the mindfulness and I know you've had, you know, your own personal experiences. Did you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So when you asked me about mindfulness, um, like you, I first went to meditation and, um, that's not something that I've really tried before but when I delved into it a bit more and I realised it was also about breathing and it's fantastic in the videos because Larissa takes you through some really great processes around how to breathe and she points out that it's not you don't have to necessarily breathe in a particular way because any type of you know long breath out will help you calm your you know your feelings if you're feeling nervous or angry or whatever it might be which in the in any industry really, um, you're going to be feeling um, all sorts of things um, depending on the day and who you're dealing with and what's happening. So I think some of those strategies are just so fantastic and they don't take time. So, you know, if you're on, on a really busy shift, it doesn't take long to take a few, you know, really meaningful breaths just to try and centre yourself again. And I also really liked the visual idea Um, So in one of the videos, Larissa talks about using your hands, which obviously I can't demonstrate for you on a podcast, but if you're not someone that's really into breathing, you can still have a visual idea of expanding and retracting in again. And I think that also helps, you know, because I'm quite a visual person. So Mm. things like that are really, really good. I think also something that I do quite regularly is, to Larissa's point before, about labelling the feelings. So really acknowledging okay, I'm feeling really frustrated right now and even just calling it out um, makes you kind Mm. of calmer. All of a sudden you've just labelled it and as a parent um, I do that every day with my kids, you know. I I can see that you're feeling 
angry and I try and get them to identify what the feeling might be. So Mm. I think doing some of those things that are really simple and might sound a bit silly when you're kind of labelling, yes, obviously I'm feeling angry, but it really does help take out some of that emotion. So I don't think it needs to be really complicated or really time consuming. So I've I've found some of those things fantastic. I also do, um, you know, sort of a reflective practices you know at the end of the day I might kind of think about well you know what worked well what could have been better let's think about how I handled that situation yeah I also really loved that visualization as well that really worked for me as well Larissa yeah the moving of the hands sort of out and in Mm. with with your breath yeah yeah well there's a lot of people whose breath is actually either hard to detect or actually really not something, you know, think about somebody who has asthma or it's not a comfortable thing to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the thing, I, th- I guess the, the very core crux of practising mindfulness little exercises is that they're all about building an intimacy between your mind and your body. So when we know how we feel because we've able and we're able to we, we know that we feel angry why do we feel how do we know we feel angry it's because there's a whole bunch of sensations that are going on in our body and there's an event that's occurred that stimulated that so it's quite legitimate that we might feel angry right so labeling it's like yeah okay so that is actually a way of being here now we label i am i am feeling this way right now so what is it do i need to do next because i've got i'm at work i've still got to keep functioning Okay, so I'm angry, so I need to make a decision about how I want to respond to that and respond to this next situation. And is this situation at all related to the thing that made me angry? And if it's not, then why take the anger into that situation? Which and you can we all familiar with the, you know, having a wreck of a morning and turning up to work and somebody coming into your office with a an issue and you just go, oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) If not on the outside, then on the inside, definitely. And it's really understanding how to know how we are right now and make a decision about how we want to be moving forward. And the, the very central piece of it is it gives you space to choose how you want to respond rather than that automatic reaction mm. that we can often look back on and go, oh, man, I, wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> <laughs> Larissa, what are some of the – what are some ways that business – businesses can actually embed this into their organisations, particularly with the hospitality industry, I think, because it's it's so varied, you know, that we've got cafes, you've got, you know, people are on all the time and they're in front of people, they're not able to go and obviously sit down and start meditating. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, it's a really good question. And um, as I mentioned earlier, I think that these little bite-sized pieces that can easily be engaged with and shared – possibly a, a, a really good model um, and the in, an, in this setting, in the way that HOSPO's rolled out this program where you have, in, in, as Fiona was talking about, having the champions and having that peer engagement with each other and with the materials, I, re- I, I, I kind of think that's it's a really uh, – whether hospitality or employers have the capacity or the responsibility to provide the full-on kind of – um, gold standard training, which is quite a large investment, or provide the doorway in to some skills that are yeah. 
that employees are finding, oh, that was actually really useful. I might do a bit more of that. And they might go off and find an app for themselves to, you know, do a meditation practice in the morning or in, whenever going to go to sleep. I mean, it's a really helpful way of tuning mm. out at the end of the day and, and putting aside the, the day that's occurred and, and getting a good night's sleep to do a body scan practice is a perfect practice to do. Um, and so I guess it, offering this kind of thing in small pieces provides tasters, which some people may very well say, I'd like to do a bit more of that. And then it's theirs and they'll own it. And they may very well then progress to doing app work and then they may decide, I want to do it a bit more intensely. I want to get more of an immersion. Mm. This is this is a bit of my path. Um, and, and end up doing the full course and then turn around and go, oh, how did I live life <laughs> beforehand? Yeah, because yeah, then when you do the full intensive course, it does become a real habit. Yeah, it's a, it, but, but you can build these moments. There's a whole school of thought um, around sort of Langerian mindfulness theory, which, which is, doesn't include meditation at all. It's all about practising the being here now, playing with what you have, being curious and being creative. and But the first thing you have to be able to do is tune into what's going on now in yeah. order to be curious and be creative about it. So if you're in a job where you're, you know, you're not able to go and sit by yourself and have, you know, I mean, I've read a lot about mindful eating. Oh, yeah. So, mm. I mean, you can just be mindful even when you're on, can't you? If you just, and that's actually an awesome practice. The first four mouthfuls of the food that you're going to eat, if you intentionally know that you're sitting down to eat and you look, for, like you use your senses. So let's use all of our senses. And that was one of the, the little uh, videos in, in the HOSPO program. Tune into what you can see. Can you hear anything? Possibly all of the people around you also eating. You can, you know, what do, what can you feel? Can you feel the cutlery? Can what what does the if you're eating food that you're using your hands to to um, to eat, or the cutlery or the um, plate? So all tuning into all of your senses and really noticing that you're going to eat. Maybe honouring where the food comes from a little bit. Thinking about you know all of the paths it's trodden to get to your plate, and then pop it into your mouth and and be aware of the tastes and the textures as you're eating. And if you can do that for the first four mouthfuls of the food that you're going to eat, it's an awesome. You can do that. It takes it takes a few more minutes yeah. than it might do, but it also brings you so much more. Mm, I love it too, Fiona. I guess lastly, I might just ask you, what are some key messages that you will then take into your workplace? I think that the whole program that you've offered here for hospitality staff is all about preventative you know, health measures to make sure that people can really look after themselves. And I think a lot of this comes back to, you know, self-care, you know, mindfulness to me is intertwined with, you know, self-care and, you know, Larissa talked about, you know, being able to sleep really well, you know, mindful eating choices and things like that. So it's it's so important really to share um, some of these messages. And I think for me to go back to the business and, um, you know, talk about the experience of being on the podcast today and having insight from a, a specialist in this field, what more can we ask for really? And trying to encourage people to really share those videos. I think that's the best that we can do and really try and open up the conversation because we've come such a long way in the last 10 years talking about mental health and I think as, as much as we can get around that and encourage people that it's okay and let's talk about where we're at and where we want to be. I agree and 
Larissa, you would probably agree with that in the last 10 years. 10 years ago, people would have looked at mindfulness as maybe something that the Dalai Lama was doing and, you know, normal people weren't doing that in workplaces, whereas now (laughs) there's so much research, I guess, to prove that it makes people much more productive and and calmer and and improves their mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the science is very much on, you know, it's in and the answer is yes, it's helpful for people who are inclined to it and who put it into practice. It's very helpful. I completely, yeah, I agree. It's funny though, yeah, you're right. Ten years ago I remember um, speaking, I was was doing a speaking gig and mindfulness was not the topic um, but I mentioned in this speaking while I was while I was talking about how I was had started doing this doctorate in mindfulness research and or in mindfulness practice and the look yeah there really wasn't yeah. <laughs> an awareness in the room of what that meant it, it was a little bit kind of oh we're going back to the seventies mm. <laughs> but yeah I mean actually the research into the mindfulness the effects of mindfulness came out of medical sciences and treating working with people who live with very chronic untreatable and difficult medical conditions and where we can't change their circumstances they, they they could change their experiences of those circumstances and that in itself has that that research started way back in i think the first publication came out in 1975 from the university in massachusetts in in the u.s and since then it's really actually since the 2000s it's really just boomed yeah loads loads of positive evidence um and I think there's also a big, there's a little bit of a mindfulness thing out there, which is, <laughs> which is, I guess, kind of what we're talking about. It's like mindfulness in snippets. Yeah. Um, and I, I, some people, you know, the, there's, there's purists that might diss it, but I actually think any any mindfulness is good. Any, yeah. it's all good, whether it's coloring or you know coloring in or what, whatever it is. If you're taking intentionally taking time to pay attention to what you're doing and be curious and and open about the experiences of doing it it's good for you yeah yeah and it's just amazing to see so many workplaces you know take taking the hospital health program for instance and running with it and you know implementing these things into their workplaces now it's great yeah it is Uh, well certainly as you mentioned earlier it's mental health the mental health mental health and well-being on the sort of the positive angle of of self-care and self-building self-efficacy and looking after yourself has become uh, much more common in our in our conversations I sort of feel like the 21st century has reattached the mind to the body in a way in the in the Mm. public narrative I love that yeah yeah and we need businesses need to be doing preventative health. I think they realise now that it's not just a fluffy mm. extra. It's something that's hugely important. Even if you just looked on a money, you know, from a monetary value, it's you know you're going to get a return on investment if you implement preventative health for your staff. But it is important that we look after our people. It's so yeah. important. It's well, it's one of the three key tiers. I, you would, I know that you've spoken with Professor Ange Martin uh, around this as well. So we've got to look at organisational structures and policies and practices. We've got to look at we've got to have a safety net that helps people once once they have become unwell. But there's also that really big piece in the middle, which is about capacity building, yeah. and that's this is where I'm most interested. I want to try and stop as many people as possible from falling over that line where they need the safety net. And there's a really nice piece in the mindfulness movement as well, which is working with organisational culture so that we can structure um, work schedule. We we can do scheduling. We can do um, work environments and things with the idea that we want to create. We want to support our employees to be able to be more mindful and so in some there may be in a workplace 
a room or an area that is just designated as a just a kind of a soft, nice place to be for a little while, and that people can go there, and it's a quiet kind of place, and you know, it's a it's a really common, just a little. It's probably not a very small investment, but it's a very valuable investment. Yeah. That sounds fun to me. What do you think, I like Fiona? That. that sounds great. I'm just trying to think where could we have that. But I think employees are also expecting this from employers now. Yeah. Like it's not enough just to be doing an employee assistance program. I think that's, you know, that's something of the past and that's just something you have to provide as an employer now. But it's all of these other things that will help people not just, you know, at work to be able to perform their role, which is really all about customer service, but also in their personal lives as well. So where you can make, you know, any yeah. kind of impact, that's that's fantastic if we can try and do it. Mm. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I'm, I'm sure there are so many businesses out there that will get lots of takeaways. Thanks thank, for having us. Yeah, thanks very much, Sherry. And thank you very much and to Hospo Health for doing this program. I think it's really valuable and really important. Yeah, well done. Yeah, I love it. The HOSPO Health Program is brought to you by the Tasmanian Hospitality Association. I'm Sherry Ring. Thanks for listening to today's podcast and I'll catch you next time.